Hello to our listeners and welcome to TNT ESQ. Along with my co-host, Reese Thomas, I'm Teresa Quinlan. We make up TNT. For those of you that don't know, it's our name, Thomas and Teresa. We're here to explode the status quo, because this series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently, so we can start doing differently. Our guest today is Carrie Boleg. She's joining us from Wisconsin in the United States. Carrie is the co-founder with her husband of Tandem Giving and co-owner of Tandem Consulting. Her work is focused on empowering professionals who want to start the side hustle. She's a mentor, public speaker, advocate, and a business coach. She builds inspiring and profound and real video messages on LinkedIn. And this is the kind of like kicking butt with kindness that led both Reese and I to want to have a conversation with her. So welcome to TNT ESQ, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Look forward to the discussion. Yeah, love love to see where this goes, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting uh, nuggets that come shake loose here. And uh, let's kick it off by talking about your, your passion, your session yeah. yeah oftentimes Carrie what we what we have found is that you know when people find their passion they speak of it with a megaphone on a soapbox and you know that's how passionate they are about it that's how much it means to them and how willing they are to share it with other people and what helps to sort of ground our listeners in context is being able to hear how did that start for you like what's the story for how that all began yeah, well, I appreciate the question and really just getting down to the root of what helps people on their success journey and on their personal growth journey. And my obsession, almost an addiction, began in my early 20s around growing me as a person and tapping into the way I think, um, my deeper scripting in so many ways, and figuring out what serves me, what doesn't serve me, and actually fighting the difficult fight of personal change and evolution. And so I actually launched my businesses at 22 and I was a women's studies and sociology major. So I had no business being a business owner, but my foot in the door was honestly just that willingness and real thirst and hunger to like be better and get around other people who believed I could get better. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really got access to a lot of great people. I think my obsession was just fueled by other people who really believed in that culture and that personal commitment. And so wherever you're at on your journey, I would say find people who are like-minded and can support you in that fanatical nature that you already have seedlings of because they'll fuel that fire in so many ways and really help elevate the actual growth and results that you can pull from being obsessed. Because if you're not growing based off of your obsession, there's ways you can really level up and make it count because that deeper passion, that deeper will to win is so immensely powerful. It's such a beautiful gift that people get access to within themselves. But if we're not like really taking advantage of it and creating something of it and, you know, impacting other people with it, I think we're just really limiting ourselves so much. So I made a post recently on LinkedIn about how so many people make to-do lists, right? Versus my reframing is things to accomplish. And with the world kind of shifting under our feet right now, people are really trying to get their bearings. 
the old to-do list maybe doesn't really apply or feel empowering right now, but there's a lot of ways that we can like readjust the way that we're thinking about what we can have control over and what we can define as, you know, our priorities and what's important to us and really shift the way that we're actually thinking about it in our day to day. And so it's, it's an uphill battle. Personal growth and change is not like a one and done. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes like tears, blood, sweat, right? The whole range. But being up for that aspect of evolving is, is so key because what I've seen coaching a lot of other people now is that there's just so much underutilized potential in the world. And if people could only see without our insecurities attached, just how much we are capable of, I think people would be much more willing to swing the bat a lot harder than they are right now. It's such a shame, like untapped talents and strengths and resources is such a shame. When we see it in the workplace from an analytical standpoint, we get furious because we know to the bottom line, it's so detrimental. Well, if we were to look at that same sort of analytics from a business perspective at our own self and how much we are wasting perhaps we'd get a little furious and that could be the spark of motivation to move us forward. The fanaticism that you mentioned piques my interest in personal development and growth around what we are fanatical about, because I think way too often, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, we are given the phrase, you must be well-rounded. What do you think about that? I mean, I think, I think there's value in that. And I don't think being fanatical about an area of your life or an industry or an activity needs to come at the cost of everything in your life. I mean, we've taken a really holistic approach in a certain sense to building our foundation and getting us right so that we can actually scale our businesses and help other people. But there's been times where we've had to prioritize hustling and doing things that were really obsessive driven because sometimes that's what it takes. So I think it's a balancing act of knowing when to put your foot on the gas and when to maybe slow down a little bit. I, I use the verbiage slowing down to speed up. And again, that's why I think self-awareness is so core to entrepreneurship. Or, I mean, we could talk professional athletics or I think to be a politician, you've got to be pretty obsessed about that journey. I mean, it's, it's kind of universal, but really having that deeper self-awareness to know like when to hit the pause and play or the slowdown button so that we do have a good life across the board. And really we used entrepreneurship as a tool to create a great life, not necessarily just to create income. So figuring out where people's like deepest core values and priorities lie, because that will really be, I think a good steering wheel for setting people up to actually achieve those metrics in their life. In the introduction, Teresa mentioned the two businesses. So we talked a little about what I assume happens in the tandem consulting. I just wanted to quickly dip into the tandem giving. Is that what, is that the right, is that the name? Yeah. Yeah. What, what's that? Did that, how did that evolve chronologically? Did they start together and how does it differ? Yeah. So we've been business owners for 14 years now. Um, so our company started, you know, a decade plus ago and our vision was always, how do we build our businesses successfully enough and really scale and automate those to the point where we can leverage a lot of the passive income that we're creating to create passive residual giving. And so we've started this nonprofit around helping children in need and we're really feeding and supporting into other nonprofits that prioritize children. The goal of a long-term big bodacious goal is how do we create an endowment fund 
where the money going towards these organizations is actually gaining interest and it's actually the ongoing perpetual interest that's actually helping these different causes that are really near and dear to us. And so I would say that dream really evolved over the years. Initially, my goal was, hey, I want to work for a nonprofit. Like with my educational background, it was, oh, I'll just work for someone else's vision and pour my passion and heart into that. But, you know, you grow your self-image for so many years and that, that vision grows. And it finally just became, why don't we put our own flag in the ground mm-hmm. and really do this in the way that like matches our values and to the scale that we want it to create an impact around the world. So we, we just started it last year. So it's, it's in the infancy and we're excited to build on it and grow it. And it won't be our last nonprofit. It will be one of many. We'll definitely learn a lot through this and are excited to hopefully pass that vision on to other people that they can start things and operate under their own, own banner. Wow, that's I think that's such an important reality to share, especially right now when a lot of people are rethinking what you know their purpose is, what their opportunities might be what their commitment might be to something bigger than themselves. So just to clarify, are you helping local charities or you created your own charity? So we've created our own charity, but then we've really vetted and hand-selected some other partner nonprofits that we want to promote and feed into. Fabulous. I love the phrase passive residual giving. I've heard the other one many times, but I love that one. I guess that's just a little tweet we come up with. um, you in business with your husband, how, how does that work? That's something that a lot of people will be interested to find out. I've worked with my wife before in the past. It sounds like you've been doing it for a long time. You've been successful at it. You're bouncing out into new, bigger, wider, more compassionate led ideals. How does it work? How have you made it work? With a lot of intention. It's been a really amazing journey together. I have a very different background. Like all of my careers in my early 20s were focused on children. So teaching, coaching, doing therapy with children on the autism spectrum. Everything I've ever done was in that realm. Craig, on the other hand, was a very successful commercial banker, worked as a risk analyst, uh, was a hardcore analytic. So we actually make a really good team. But with that being said, there's areas that we've also had to figure out on how do we actually balance each other in a way that like feels good and is effective and working to compartmentalize business and marriage a bit which is very very difficult when it is a bit of an obsession and you're fanatical about your businesses and your nonprofit. it's hard to actually compartmentalize that when you're living with your co-founder and co-business partner so i would say there's totally challenges but really the reason that we married each other is because we did want to hold hands and really run in the same direction so it's been a really beautiful blessing for us to be able to have the opportunity to actually build something together and create something together and being able to challenge each other which we do frequently. And the other aspect that I think is undernoted is just the power of failing together as a couple. We have failed more times than we've succeeded. We've had to dust ourselves off. We've had to give each other pep talks. We've had to rally together. And there's just a lot of strength that comes from being able to do that as life partners, let alone business partners. So it's, it's a true blessing and it's been a learning curve and we're going on 12 years of marriage. So it's, it's been really wonderful and, and cool to enroll our children. We've got a six-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old and really being able to like pull in their thought process and share with them what we're doing since we have worked remote for so long and built our companies from our house. It's been neat to be able to give them that insight into what the heck we actually do. 
I had, I had wonderful, wonderful parents, but like, I didn't grow up with entrepreneurs who were necessarily instilling that type of thought process in me at a young age, like growth mindset and EQ and leadership. And so it's really neat to just think what we can do for the next generation. If we are more open with them on what the day-to-day work, what the day-to-day grind actually looks like, and hopefully set them up a little bit better than other generations where it's maybe been a little disillusioned on what it takes sometimes to actually be successful. (laughs) So important, right? Both, well, the full spectrum of what it actually takes, including, as you alluded to, leveraging your strengths and your talents, both yours, your husband's, identifying those areas, and then recognizing the gaps and go, we have some gaps here. We're going to need to have to close those in order for us or find the people that can help us or outsource or so talk us through or share with us and our listeners, where did your sort of cultivation of personal growth and development come from? Like, did you always have it as, as a kid, you were always this curious and you maintain that through your teenage years and into your early adulthood and now full stride. You're just like, yeah, I've been a great curious learner. And so my own personal development has all, has always been something I'm the type of person at the dentist when the dentist is doing their thing and their hands are in my mouth. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, what did, what is, what's that? What are you doing now? I once had a dentist be like, my, you're very curious. And I was like, of course, this is like my health. This is my dental care. I want to understand it. I remember even in high school reading books about personal development and, you know, just kind of like soul searching type stuff trying to figure myself out. So it's, it's always been there. Again, I don't know that I had like the association or the environment to really be like full bore on that journey at a young age, but the seeds were there. And one thing in terms of my leadership style is like, I grew up in a very athletic household. Athletics was really my primary source for leadership as a child, but I've always been the type of person that's like, I'm just going to like do my work. I don't need to be super flashy or rah, rah, rah about it. I'm just going to set a good example for other people. And that's something that I've had to really grow in as a leader is just being a bit more vocal about the work that I'm doing because it's hard for people to like tap into more of like a quiet leader who's Mm -hmm. just got their head down. If we're not being more visible with the work that it takes and what's effective, what's, what's hard, what's been challenging on the journey. And so as someone who coaches people, that's a huge part of the work is just being vulnerable and sharing that side of myself and really challenging myself as a leader to just be a lot more open and upfront. And I think it's challenging because again, I've got that humble aspect, but I don't think it's a lack of humility when you're willing to share those parts of yourself. And that's, I think, what I think I confused for so many years is like, well, I just want to be humble, but it's actually more just being open versus being like arrogant or braggadocious when you talk about the wins and the hard times. And I think it's a lot of areas that I see women especially struggle with a little bit more is just being more, more visible and open. So it's a neat way to empower a lot of the women I coach on leveling up in that way. So there's a particular niche of clients that you work with. Uh, I know personal development from my own experience is quite a wide net to, to cast there. Is there a particular aspect of it that you focus on? Is it women that you particularly work with or is it more corporate? Is it one-to-one remote style? Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, really all of the above. So we work mm-hmm. with professionals, people who already have a good career. Career's going good, but there's that deeper feeling of like, okay, this is it. 
and this can't be it because I want more in life. And that person who really just has that extra drive and ambition to do something on the side, but they're not a hardcore entrepreneur either. They're, they really want to take more of a moderate approach of, of just slowly scaling, on, scaling a side hustle with the help of somebody who's done it and has expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, so we work with a lot of men and women, a lot of single people, a lot of couples, which is also really fun. And then even within our United States business, we've got probably people from 30 plus different cultures and countries represented. So it's a very diverse range of people, which has been wonderful because it, it challenges you in so many ways as a leader when you have such a wide, wide net that you're casting. And it's always an adventure. And I tell people entrepreneurship is truly one of the best personal de- development platforms on planet Earth. So if people are into that, I would, I would challenge people on how are you tapping into entrepreneurship and putting your foot in the water at least to figure out how you could grow and make money at the same time. Because that was like a cool realization for me is I can actually make really good income and just be focusing on growing myself and my leadership ability. So do you believe that everyone has the capacity or potential to be an entrepreneur? I mean, I think people have the capacity for sure. I think it comes down to willingness and readiness. And I think a lot of people are not willing or ready for that journey, but capacity, I think people have it in them. Everything's a skill set. Everything is a skill set. And if people are willing to drill in and do the hard work around learning skills and new mindsets, of course, but, but the willingness and readiness have to be there. And so from your experiences that you've had with people, what we know in learning and development is the, the biggest barrier to curiosity is fear. Mm-hmm. Do you recognize the same when you're working with your clients that their stickiest points are founded out of fear of something? Yeah, absolutely. And we go straight to the root. Like we're cutthroat. Like <laughs> talk about this. Like why is this so hard for you? Or why is this a hang up? Or why are you so slow to respond to this? But you're very eager in that direction. And really being candid and transparent is so important. Otherwise, I think we're doing people a disservice as like a coach, right? And so that's why I say kicking butt with kindness is because we are the biggest lovers of people. Like we will be your biggest cheerleader, but we want to shoot you straight because we don't want to see you waste your time and waste your livelihood on reaching big, amazing goals that you're really, you say you're really excited and passionate about, right? We want to be that bridge and really support you and tell you things people aren't going to tell you. Other people aren't going to be willing to tell you. So, and my husband's like the boss at that. It's so fun to watch him. Just, he's a maximizer. That's his personality type, which is a really cool personality type. If you're not familiar, look it up, but can really just figure out what are the gaps. It's like that analytic in him can figure out the gaps, but then really help people push through and reach that potential. So it's quite amazing to watch that unfold with the people that he works with. Maximizer is one of my top five signature themes. Is it? Yeah, totally. I feel him. I feel the cutting-ness with kindness. It's powerful. It can be, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It can also be exhausting. Yeah, it can also be exhausting sometimes. And people are, sometimes people can respond with, I need to take a breath. And you're like, oh, yeah, sorry. Okay. Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah, breathing. I'll give you a minute. (laughs) Yeah. What's yours? If he's the maximizer, what do you, what do you? I think just like a deep supporter and, and mm. the kindness aspect. Sometimes we do very well with like good cop, bad cop. <laughs> you're the relator. Do you do it together? 
Yeah, we work with people a lot individually, but then we also come together and help people like more as a unit and partnership. So it's nice because there's a lot of flexibility with how we communicate and coach people. And it's very needs-based. Like if people need both of our perspectives, we're more than willing to both jump in there with people. But often, I mean, we really do divide and conquer in so many ways because we've developed a pretty wide range of skills at this point. So we can run more independent and then call audibles when we want to pull the other one in. So. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and how are you finding the, the current climate? We're recording this in the midst of lockdown. Are you finding that you're seeing an influx of people who are willing to overcome that fear or at least uh, tackle it and maybe out of necessity need to look at a side hustle or, you know, their only hustle now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, um, in any phases of recession, our business has grown a lot because it's not because like the general population is like, oh, you know, job security is not there. I might lose my job next week. I should go build a side hustle. But it's the people that were already kind of thinking in that direction. They just didn't have a sense of urgency. I think it's a really positive wake up call for those types of people. And so we do have a lot of people seeking us out in those moments in particular, where it's just like the ground is sort of stirring beneath them. And they realize, hey, I need to be thinking about what other ways can I set myself up? for success and more security in my life. And we're just big believers in the 21st century. It's not wise to only have one way to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of ways to diversify. So it's, it's worth exploring, I think, for anybody who's listening. is just like, in what ways am I actually diversified and have multiple ways that I'm not just making money, but in terms of my skills and my association, I think there's a lot of power that comes with that. And, and anyone will say, don't put all of your money in one investment. Same goes from our belief in terms of the way that we make money. Let's use this word diversify, but I want to use it in a slightly different context and steer the conversation in a, in a different way. You had mentioned that you have worked with people in rep- a representation of 30 plus countries, which is incredible because I'm thinking now culturally, yeah. unique experiences, different backgrounds. And with this kind of experience, when you get that diversification in your clientele, do you notice primary differences depending upon cultural backgrounds in their capacity for personal growth and development? Or is it kind of like, that doesn't really matter. You see consistencies and similarities more so than you see differences. What can you share with us about what you notice about where people come from and their interest or willingness in personal development and growth? Well, it's such a wonderful topic. And, you know, my background in sociology and women's studies, I think that's what just like makes my heart sing as a business owner is to be able to have access to diversity. And it's not something you can buy. Diversity is really something that you have to earn. And I feel grateful to have really been able to forge like some of these wonderful friendships with people from all over the world. We've done speaking engagements in Kingston, Jamaica quite a few times. And it's it's just neat to just see look at people's heart and really connect on a soul level and just see like we are so similar. We look different. We speak different. I don't speak Patois. On a soul level, we all want the same things. And we would all do crazy weird things to provide for our family. I I think what it's helped me understand is just like how grateful I am for what I've had access to. I mean, I'm so privileged in so many ways. And so it becomes like an even deeper cause for me to try and get people access to that thought process and mindset if they're seeking it and if they want it because I didn't have to work that hard growing up in the States to get a college education and to get around people that were willing to 
you know, support me and help me. But there's people who would do crazy things like take 24 hour night trains in India to get access to a conference where they're tapping into people with, you know, the mindset I'm talking about. And it's just, it's a good reminder not to take things for granted. And it's also powerful to just know that beauty and that cross-cultural connection that we all really do have. And that's not to say there's not differences. I mean, that's what keeps us on our toes and keeps us light and laughing and building good rapport with people is that we can acknowledge there are really big differences. We've worked with people who have refugee backgrounds from a number of different countries. And it's really interesting to just lean into like some of the deeper scripting that people who maybe grew up in refugee camps have, even if they live in the US and just breaking down some of those barriers or just like abundance thinking. But it goes for, for any culture, you know, whether you're a baby boomer or a Gen X or millennial, like we all have a culture and scripting. So just being really open and light and non-judgmental about the level of commonalities, but also differences so that we can help maximize people and really help them get to where they want to go. So you mentioned the speaking engagements there. Can you give us some examples about the things that you were talking about? You, you mentioned a few things here. You talk mindset quite a lot. Yeah, so a lot of mindset anchored in the entrepreneurial space, like how to actually effectively scale and grow a business, how to develop the skills to grow a business, how to have strong mindset around your finances to build a company, because a lot of people, they want to build a $5 million company, but they're not even managing their $50,000 income. Mm -hmm. So there's just like a lot of gaps in people's expectations on what it takes to grow a business. So we're pretty clear cut on like what it takes. We don't like to sugarcoat things too much. Although we do like to be empowering. We like to be really real about what it's going to actually take to be successful. Uh, we talk about relationships. I talk a lot about executive presence because that's an area a lot of people need to grow in, in regards to leadership. So quite a wide range, because if you think about if someone's struggling to build a business, it's not always skill-based issues. It's that their relationship isn't going well. It's that spiritually they're hurting. It's because financially they're a mess and they don't want to talk about the pile of debt they're accruing, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just so much more deep-rooted and anchored than just talking about business skill sets. So true. Uh, what I heard you say, there's this balance element that is required and needed. And in your practice, you and your husband bring forward to people the reality of that balance that is necessary mm -hmm. so that individuals can go eyes wide open into their decision making of, will this be the best thing for me? Am I properly armed for the highs and the lows that will absolutely be present. I cannot applaud more enthusiastically around impact of being able to share our own personal stories and give that sort of clear picture for people. It's one of the things that I believe is sort of missed a lot in life in general. Like when we become a parent for a first time, Sometimes when we ask other people, like, what's it like being a parent? It's awesome. Children are like, when they come, they're going to be so in love. And they forget to tell you the things like kids can sometimes be assholes, but they're not doing yeah. it on purpose. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just that they do get hungry quite frequently when they're little <laughs> and they don't sleep for very long. And there's lots of like pooping, right? So like we prepare for that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, or when we step into leadership, like, it's going to be great. You're going to have a team. You're going to be in control and do this and that. And they forget to tell you that people are messy. And sometimes managing people is really difficult. And it will keep you up at night. And it's just so necessary. 
to be able to step into that space and, and help individuals understand it's not or, it's and. Mm-hmm. All of these things will be happening at some point or another. Absolutely. No, it's, it's beautiful. And like when you ask me, do people have the capacity? Yes, but it's are they willing and ready for the two-ended stick? Right. And whether you're a corporate person climbing the corporate ladder or you're starting a nonprofit or you're scaling a business, it's just like everything has the dual aspect of it. And we have to really buy in and accept the whole package if we want to be happy and like be successful, I think that's an important part of the equation is just like acceptance and knowing, Hey, I can get through hard things. So it may be time for our hashtag, not anymore. So honestly, I, I don't usually make notes when we're doing this, but I've got quite a lot of things scribbled down here. You, you've given us quite a lot of usable, practical, workable ideas. So I'll just run through a couple of these and I'll ask you to maybe sort of collate them all into one final takeaway that the, the listeners can not just start thinking about, but actually start putting into practical use. So start doing, start being. So some of the things here you talked about leadership, about setting the example, about being visible and authentic, jumping straight into the fear, kicking butt with kindness. Love that. You are bringing balance to what, not only what you're offering, but to the client. So you've got the supportive side and you've got the maximizing side. So the two together are working uh, in great synergy. We started off talking about this accomplished list, not to-do list. You mentioned executive presence, but in terms of the whole reframing this idea about we can't do so much anymore, but we can still accomplish so much. So how would you inspire people to take those steps in this new kind of perhaps unknown surroundings that we find ourselves in and not allow that fear to take over, but to actually just see the opportunity rather than the, uh, the limitations? I love the way you asked that question, Reese. I think the biggest takeaway I can give to people is really dig deep on the vision. What do you actually want to create in your life? Not tomorrow, but five, 10 years out. And can you really put some action steps in place? Really reverse engineer a plan on how you can start putting things on that things to accomplish list today. And, and in a time and space where there's a lot out of our control, I think the biggest takeaway I want to leave you with is there is still so much in our control from your home, the amount of personal development, the amount of reading, healthy podcasting that you can do. I mean, there's so much that we can focus on. And my deepest belief is that whatever we focus on grows in the world. Truly, there's nothing Mm -hmm. that listeners have put time, energy, love, sweat, tears into that hasn't grown in some capacity, not always at the speed or scale we want it to, but if you focus on something, it will move the needle. So figuring out in what ways you want to grow at this time put it on a things to accomplish list. And then my biggest tip after that is finding people who can support you on your journey. We wouldn't be where we are as like solo captains of our own ship. We've taken the help and support of a lot of people, but you do need to find out where you want to go and then find people who are multiple steps beyond where you're at that have that alignment and work to get that investment and that coaching and that thought process from them because someone having a helicopter view on our life is what has helped us actually maintain a really good foundation and be able to actually build something beyond where we could have done if, you know, life wasn't going well in a lot of areas. So again, realize that whatever your path is, use it as a tool to create a great life, not just to advance in your career or have a great family or run a big business. You can take more of that holistic approach, channel the fire, channel the obsession, 
channel the fanaticism. Like I, you can't put a price tag on being fanatical about something. So figure mm -hmm. out like where that is and, and chase it down and run with it. I just like to say how great it was that I asked you for one great takeaway and just in the way that you mirrored the whole episode with loads of loads of things to take away, you hit us with like four or five, six, seven, eight amazing <laughs> things. So, amazing. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure everyone would like to know what are the best ways that people can get in touch with you, find out more about you, maybe work with you. Yeah. So LinkedIn, we've really anchored ourselves on LinkedIn and we've got a library full of content and things that we believe in in our thought process. So I think that could be a great starting point is for someone to connect with us on LinkedIn, maybe go through some of our content so you can see if it like actually really resonates with you on a personal level and then reach out, connect with us on there. My husband's Craig Clickner. You can also add him and you'll get the maximizer and the supportive element all in, all in one package. Thank you so much. So we always like to finish our uh, episodes with the rapid fire Q and A. So it's, 10 statements, two choices, interpret as you, as you see fit, whatever comes to head or to heart. Are you ready? I think so, yes. <laughs> good, good. Okay, here we go. Number one, manager or leader? Leader. Number two, active or reactive? Active. Number three, black and white or gray? In theory, gray, sometimes black and white. <laughs> <laughs> Blurred. Number four, optimist or realist? Strong blend, but I'm going to go with optimist. Uh, number five, Canada or England? Ooh, I love Canada. <laughs> Yay! Okay. Uh, number six, heart or head? Heart. Number seven, empathy or assertiveness? Empathy. Number eight, introvert or extrovert? More extrovert. Number nine, logical or emotional? Emotional. And number 10, innovation or process? Innovation. Fantastic. Look, thank you so much. We've had such a, an interesting conversation here. Great takeaways. Thank you, Carrie, again. It's been fantastic. I admire you both so much. So this was just a real honor to be able to jump in here with you. Thank you. We love to hear all of your feedback here on TNT ESQ. So if you've enjoyed this show, you've learned something, you've been inspired, please share it with your friends. Please rate the show. Please write a review on whichever podcast uh, platform you enjoyed it on to help us spread the word, help more people think differently and more people start doing differently. Thank you.